There is a great mystery in how God relates to time. For the faithful, there is a need to contemplate God and time. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. And this is produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. And I'm Anthony Alegria. In serious conversation today, we're going to discuss God and time while examining the book of Esther and Lord of the Rings. Afterwards, we're going to discuss the idea that some traditions are damaging to the church. But first up, we are going to have our fun segment of Unholiness Today, where we shamelessly, well, maybe with a little shame, (laughs) we compare scripture to current events. And first off, we're going to go to Canada, where criminal justice reform means legalizing some rather unexpected things. Now, Canada's legal reform is wanting to remove certain things which pertain to witchcraft. Now, you may be familiar with the old witch trials and laws which were against witchcraft, but Canada, being Canada, they wanted to take things in a whole different direction because, again, they've always got to be just a little different from some of their surrounding neighbors and allies. And so what Canada did is they made it legal not to practice witchcraft, but now it is legal to practice fake witchcraft. (laughs) You see, there used to be laws on the books in Canada where it was illegal to pretend to practice witchcraft. Now, let me share with you an excerpt from the old law. And the law said, Everyone who fraudulently, A, pretends to exercise or use any kind of witchcraft, sorcery or enchantment or conjuration, B, undertakes for a consideration to tell fortunes, or C, pretends from his skill in or knowledge of an occult or crafty science. So, in other words, it was illegal to pretend to be a part of an occult, It was illegal to pretend to be a witch and to do this sort of things. And now we may have thought that this came from Leviticus 19.31, which the scripture says, Do not turn to mediums or necromancers and do not seek them out, for they make yourselves unclean. I suppose Canadian culture wanted to keep itself clean by not engaging in witchcraft, but rather by engaging in fake witchcraft. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know about this. We actually went up to Canada and tried to get a quote from a a frog that was one of the Canadian frogs involved in witchcraft. And we have it quoted as saying, the only legalized fake witchcraft, eh? In response, one of the local witches says, this isn't fake, and proceeded to put the frog down in a pot. Uh, Amanda, is this totally depraved or is there a holiness alternative found in the midst of all of this? I think a lot of this is very interesting, Um, and kind of as we were discussing, there seems to be a a general consensus that apparently maybe the law was first put in effect to protect people from con artists and other people who would use kind of snake oil salesmen, um, use those kind of tactics in order to gain money, and then maybe there's some kind of financial gain to be had by the government while legalizing it. And I'm not sure what the motivations on either side of this is. Um, But I think for the people of God, our response should simply be like, this is not something we participate in, whether it's fake or real. Um, And I think because it is an element of trust. Uh, We don't need to go see fortune tellers or palm readers because our future is secure in who Christ is. We don't need to buy spells or um, different charms to protect us because, again, our trust is in the living God. Which is interesting because that verse that you just read concludes with, thus says the Lord Almighty. Um, So it really does give the people of God thousands of years ago and for us today, the response to these kinds of things is our trust is not in them. And so we don't need them, whether fake or real. Yeah, one of the things which does strike my mind a little bit bizarre is it appears to be a protection against fraud, Mm -hmm. what this law was. 
And yes, it does wear the mask of, of witchcraft and things like that, but it, it just seems so odd to me. I'm not sure what the end goal of this. I guess we'll see. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Anyways, moving from fake witchcraft to clergy floating through the air. Yes, you thought we were changing topics. I think that we are. I don't know. Send us your thoughts, questions, and comments. Most of us are familiar with the scripture from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, where it says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up like, with wings like eagles. And one pastor decided to take things to a whole new level. And we have footage for you where a pastor actually floats into the sanctuary. Anthony, if you would, roll the footage. Jesus Christ comes again, and every eye will see him when he comes again. So here's our question for you this morning, brothers and sisters. The simple question is this right here. Are you ready? Are you ready for his return? Amen. <laughs> All right, amen. All right. Now, Amanda, is this a reasonable entrance to church or is this just totally depraved? Um, I, I'm not sure either um, uh, answers or options are quite applicable. It's definitely, I don't think, a reasonable entrance, but I, I don't think it's utter depravity either. It is something interesting. Um, obviously, the people who are participating in that service will, will probably not forget. Now, how much of the service and actual sermon will they remember? I don't know. But they will probably always remember the time their pastor flew in on some kind of harness. Um, and it is about Jesus coming again. So you would hope that maybe this would call their attention to that. But I, I think it's a little overdramatic um, in a sense that, that I guess if we were to put it in a theological category, it, it fits in the category of silly. Um, not depravity, but definitely ridiculous. <laughs> Anthony, what are your thoughts on this? I, I know that you and I, we we are both here at, at Jolton on a, a weekly basis. Do you think this would be reasonable? Definitely not the word I would use. <laughs> uh, that's I kind of agree with Amanda. Um, the spectrum between, you know, reasonableness versus depravity. I'm not sure that, that's a, that this might not fit on this spectrum. It might. It might be depraved, but uh, it might not be on this spectrum at all together. And so I would definitely agree with Amanda. <laughs> Are you opting to silly. not take the binary choice? <laughs> oh, my. I, I would actually say this is, it is silly. But at the same time, I don't know. Maybe we need to, to rig this up here in the sanctuary in Jolton and I can just float in. Um, you know, I, I ride the hoverboard around. Maybe floating is the, the answer to, to all of our problems. Just float. Yeah. New church growth plan, how to but, float your way into a bigger yes, church. People don't need to walk <laughs> into church. They just need to float in. All right. Well, we'll wrap up unholiness today, and we're going to come back, and we're actually going to have a guest with us in the, the B segment as we discuss God and time. So now we're back for our B segment. We do have a guest, Pastor Mike Proctor, um, who is the pastor of Trinity Church. Um, and so he's going to kind of set up what our conversation is going to be. So, Pastor Mike. Okay. 
Uh, here is a quote. It says, I wish it had not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who have who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. So, uh, simple question. This, uh, what do we do with the time that is given to us? Uh, this is a powerful line from a powerful scene from the Lord of the Rings. And the question is for us today, what is time? From a basic logical standpoint, time is the measurement of the movement of the God-created heavens. In other words, it's a, if a sundial measures the movement of the sun's position in relation to the earth's rotation. But on a deeper level, I believe that it is God who brings order to the universe. The reason or the logos of God gives order to a complex system that moves in such a state that it gives life. So for me, time is a measurement for the movement of God in my life through his creation. Um, that is not limited to the stars of, of the heavens, but to everything around us. We all have to decide um, is, is what to do with the time that is given to us, says Gandalf. Every situation is an opportunity to see God at work through creation, such as nature as well as people. The movement of God's salvation comes upon us when we are able to receive something from God. This something that we receive overtakes us and creates in us anew, a life new that is, in the, that is from God for God. This means our life is an instrument of God that is used with purpose and meaning. We become an instrument that cares deeply for other human beings once we receive God into our hearts. We receive forgiveness and we offer forgiveness. We receive mercy, we offer mercy and become merciful. We become that instrument. We receive reconciliation and then reconciliation with all creation becomes real and consumes us because it is God at work in and through us. Time is indeed precious because it is the measurement of the movement of God. In the book of Esther, Mordecai presents a powerful question, not only to Esther, but for all of us. Um, in chapter 4, verse 14, Mordecai says, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows? Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this? We indeed have to decide what to do with the time that is given to us. I wish, my wish is that we all are able to receive from God and, the measure, and be able to measure God's movement around us. The church has a way of measuring time around us, us using the Christian calendar. And it brings an order to the journey and the study of the story of people of God. It is historic, but it is also alive uh, because God is alive and redeeming his people. Pastor Amanda, uh, how do you use the Christian calendar in your life? Well, I think for our audience, kind of to give a little bit of context of what the church calendar is, I'm kind of going to explain a little bit of that. I know 
we live in lots of different calendars, right? We, we have kind of the general calendar that begins in January, ends in December. Uh, if you work within the Church of the Nazarene, it has its own calendar for district events that actually ends in February and begins in March. And then we have this church calendar. So there's a lot of different ways that measure times. And all these calendars do is help us to know when things are going to happen, how to plan, and how to order our lives. And the church calendar is unique because it doesn't start so much with um, people, but it starts with God. And it starts with the season of Advent. And this is a season of preparation. And there's basically three movements that happen twice in the church calendar, preparation, celebration, and then um, exhortation, or basically explaining the story. So you have Advent that prepares Christmas, which is the celebration of the birth of Christ, the exhortation of the epiphany, or the revelation of God to all of creation. Then we start again with the preparation of Lent as we prepare our way to journey to the cross. Um, Good Friday then brings us to the crucifixion, but the celebration starts on Easter Sunday where we celebrate the resurrection. And then again, um, the exhortation of God's work in the world, which is exemplified in Pentecost. And then we have ordinary time that follows that. And that ordinary time is a very long stretch of time. It branches all the way from Pentecost that's usually um, in about May-ish, depending on where Easter falls, sometimes as late as June, and then it extends all the way into November. And this is the time of really telling the story of the people of God. But to answer this question very specifically of how we use the Christian calendar, again, all calendars help us or order our lives. They order our priorities. They help us order the things that have to get done and what we need to do. But the Christian calendar tells us something that's really important, that we order our life not based on how we can become the greatest or how we can gain the most resources, but how to trust in the story of God and ultimately to trust in this God who is living and alive and still working just as God worked 2,000 years ago um, in the early apostles or even thousands of years before that in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But how this God can now help us order our lives that we may experience God's grace And as you uh, said earlier, Pastor Mike, share that grace with the rest of the world. Well, and just like Esther, you know, for such a time as this, just to try to connect the two segments, I know y'all were talking about uh, the uh, pastor coming in on a zip line, it looked like (laughs) perhaps uh, in the last segment. But I did want to ask you, you know, the prophets did some really crazy things and said some crazy things just to get people's attention and point them to God. So um, before I ask you what is one of the best uses of your time, I just want to know, would you come in on a zip line, <laughs> Pastor Amanda, um, as you are perhaps preaching the good news that Christ is indeed coming again? I, I would not personally. Um, uh, heights is not my thing, um, and overdramatic is not my thing. I do preach a lot in a very narrative style, and I have dressed up for sermons and things like that. But that's about as dramatic as I will get. Um, but I do think that the story of the people who got in the Christian calendar is dramatic enough that sometimes we don't need those uh, gimmicky things. <laughs> so what what is one of the best uses of your time, Pastor? Well, and I think what is fantastic about the church calendar and also how God calls us to organize our weeks, um, our days in, in the week, is that it's not really what we do. And so the best use of our time is something as simple as Sabbath. And Sabbath is not an excuse to be lazy. It's not... Um, something that consumes our, our, uh, our time because we have to go to church. And I think that's how a lot of the modern world sees Sunday morning worship. They're like, eh, 
it's a chore, it's drudgery. But really, it's God calling God's people that, again, you don't have to work or strive to have life. The only source of life is God. And so you can rest. You don't have to work seven days of the week because you know that in resting, you're proclaiming that God is king, God is Lord, and therefore you do not have to strive like the rest of the world. And so sometimes the best use of our time is Sabbath, is rest. It's just simply trusting and relying in the nature of God. Preach it, Pastor. I'm ready to take a Sabbath now before we move into segment C. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our segment, but uh, we hope that you kind of continue um, in watching as we move on to our game of Hot, Not, or Sanctified. <laughs> 